Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. But we're looking at Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. It says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, this is Jesus' words, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in, who is in heaven and sees what's done in secret. He will reward you. It's a short bit of scripture, this, but it's so powerful. A lot of us will dismiss this. We read it and we read all the other scriptures that probably are exciting and we look at this and think, maybe that's not for me. Probably sometimes for you, the only time you've heard of fasting in your life or in your circle in work, when you're at work, is people coming in saying, I'm doing a fast, a 24-hour fast for Oxfam. Please, will you pay me five pounds or something like this. And a lot of people are used to just hearing this on the odd occasion. But Jesus is saying in this bit of scripture to his disciples, he's talking about fasting as part of our Christian walk. And I know for some of us now, we're probably going to shut off and think, I'll wake up when he's finished and this is just not for me. But I want to look at today why I believe it is for us and why I think it's important as well. You see, fasting you might know this, but fasting was a very, very important part of the Old Testament. It was a very key thing in the Old Testament. And a lot of people today would say it's not key for us today. It's not important for us in the New Testament. But typically people would fast if they were grieving, they were repenting of their sin, and they were sad. They would fast. They'd go in these times of fasting. David fasted when he heard of Abner's murder in Second Samuel 3. He fasted when he heard this news and he was grieving. A seven-day fast was called when Saul died. Nehemiah fasted when, she, when he discovered the trouble that Jerusalem was in. And so we see lots of times through the Old Testament, people went to fast when they were in trouble or they needed to pursue God. They were upset or grieving. And repentant. So it was a very, very big part of Old Testament life. But what is it in the New Testament? There's several occasions where fasting is carried out. And as we know that Jesus of all the people. And if we want to follow anyone, we want to follow Jesus, don't we? Jesus, when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and he went into the desert. And he was tested by the, by the enemy for 40 days. He says he fasted. For those 40 days. So if Jesus does it, what? why should we do it? He tells his disciples here, when you fast. When you fast. Not if you're going to fast or are you going to try this little bit out? Is this going to be something you select out of your Christian box or walk? Some of us like to have a choice of a few things that we like. 
no, fasting's not for me. I'm going to leave that one. But I believe Jesus is saying that we should. You see, after Jesus did it in the, in the desert, we see later on after Jesus had died and was resurrected, when the early church began in Acts 13, the prophets and the teachers, it said, they fasted before they released Paul and Barnabas. He says before they chose Paul and Barnabas to be released for ministry, this is after Jesus died and he was resurrected. He says they fasted and prayed before choosing Paul and Barnabas. Acts 14, he says this, Paul and Barnabas then, they then did exactly the same. They prayed and fasted to establish the elders in the churches that they were setting up around as they went around on their missionary journeys. So we can see that it wasn't just that it was a special occasion for when Paul and Barnabas were selected, they saw this principle from the prophets and the teachers, and then they went on their missionary journey, setting up churches all across where their journey was. And as they went and they established churches, they set elders up, but as they chose their elders, as they had these specific things they were choosing, he says they prayed and they fasted. They took these principles with them. So why... Why should you fast today? Why should I fast? Is it just for people like Paul? Is it just for people like apostles and teachers? People who have these big names in the Bible. They're the only ones who do it when they're selecting, making big decisions. But Jesus was talking to his disciples. Remember the type of people his disciples were. Simple people. I'm simple. I don't know about you. Very simple. It's not just for the early church. It's for us. You see, we want the book of Acts. We want all the miraculous. We want all those things and reading all those stories. But the early church fasted as well. You see, the title of our message today is Living Life, Living in the Fast Lane. Living in the Fast Lane. You see, the natural way, if you was to, in your lives, take church out of it, take God out of it. If you were in work tomorrow, the natural way that people live when they want to live in their fast lane is to give their body everything that it wants. Is to satisfy their body and their desires with everything that we want to make it pleasing to us. And if you ask someone, say, I'm living life in the fast lane, it's because they're satisfying everything that their flesh would want. I don't know if you've seen this, but the other day I was watching the TV and an advert came up on TV for Snickers. Who likes Snickers? I love them because I like peanuts and I like chocolate and I like toffee. Mix it all together. What a bar of chocolate. You know I like M&Ms. I've told you that before. But the Snicker advert came up on the TV and it said this. When it finished, it said this slogan. Snickers showed the bar of chocolate. And it said, you're not you when you are hungry. You're not you when you are hungry. Powerful message. Basically saying, you're not yourself. You need me. You need the Snickers. You need the M&Ms. You need the Nescafe. You need me. You are not yourself if you don't have me. This is the kind of world we're living in. 
the kind of stuff that comes in our screens, our billboards, the kind of marketing and advertising to tell us, this world tells us that we need it to be ourselves. But it's not true. It's not true that without it, we're not ourselves. In fact, it's so full of chemicals that we become so addicted to this stuff. We don't need it. But marketing tells us this. It says, you need me to be yourself. One of the adverts of the Snicker advert showed this. It was so funny, but it showed these racers ready in an Olympic race on the starting running line. And as they were on the running line, ready to go, one of the people was facing the opposite direction. He said, Snickers, you're, you're not you without it. Basically meaning you make bad decisions without a snicker. To live in the world's fast lane is all about feeding the flesh. It's all about feeding what the flesh wants. And I want to suggest to you today the opposite of that. You see, how many of you know that Christianity is always the opposite? It always looks differently at everything. It asks us to give away our things. It says if you want to receive, then give. It's always the opposite. That's why we struggle sometimes. We struggle with it. We're so into the blessing ministry. But Jesus says, give everything away and you'll get it back. You know, sometimes I've been thinking about it recently that even with giving, if we start giving away to other churches in this city, doing things for other churches, I'll tell you, we'll be blessed. We're so, I meet so many people, it's all about us and all about our church. But if we start thinking about how would Jesus do it? He'd look and around this city and he'd see everything as one church. We're here for a mission. So many of us get it wrong. And I'll tell you, I believe God's going to do some amazing things here. And I, I almost want to see in the future us doing things surprisingly for other people, other churches, that they don't understand it. But I do because I, I know that's what Jesus says we should do. And it's the same. It's always the opposite. Feeding the flesh, feeding our desires, our cravings. That's living life in the fast lane. And you'd say, well, I don't, this is not for me. A fast lane that is telling me not to eat and telling me not to, to abstain from these things. This is not going to make me feel great. I'm going to feel withdrawal symptoms. The truth is, when the stickers advert says that you're not yourselves, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be myself. I know that when I was myself and I'm myself, I seem to get in a lot of a mess. You see, I want to be more like Jesus. The trouble is that self is the thing that got us in this position in the first place. Why we need Jesus. Self. I don't want to be myself. You see, fasting is about taking control of our lives by the Spirit. It's taking control of your life by the Spirit of God. The natural says we should be eating. But by God's Spirit, we take control over our bodies. By God's Spirit, we take control over sin. We have the power over sin. And it's the same with fasting. In Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, Paul says that we should be a living sacrifice. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing 
to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. We need to transform our mind, renew our mind. Some people, you tell them, I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to start thinking different to the world. Thinks They say, which church do you go to? They're brainwashing you. They're brainwashing you to tell you that you've got to change your mind. Let me tell you this. My brain has been washed and I'm so glad it has. Because it was very dirty. We all need washing. We all need to renew our mind to the way that Jesus created us to be. We need to go through this principle. But in this bit of scripture it says, we have to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because it's true and proper worship. You see, so many of us are good at coming and worshipping God. Singing the songs. We've done it this morning. But I believe that worship sometimes, the deepest worship is when you're not singing the latest Hillsongs track. And I'm not just picking on Hillsongs, but any track. But it's when we give everything away. We say, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice to you. Here's my worship to you. Just like we said earlier, the woman who brought the alabaster jar, she wasn't singing the latest track. She wasn't singing the latest thing and had all the best music. She was opening up a jar of expensive perfume, lavishing it on Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? This is the best thing because this story is going to go through for time on in the future. People are going to hear about this. This is true worship. When you give everything to God, yourselves as a living sacrifice. I love it when it says that when we don't conform to the pattern of this world and we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, he says you'll then be able to be able to test and approve what God's will is. So many of us are so used that we just live in a Christian life of putting the junk food in and we just want all of the fast lane of life and we want to know what God's will is as well. It's like we're just running this life and hoping that God's going to keep telling us what he wants us to do while we're running it. But sometimes he wants us to stop and to show that our lives, we're really coming before him and saying, Lord, I'm going to offer everything to you. And he says, then you'll hear, you'll see what his perfect will is for our lives. I don't know about you, but I hear many people wanting to know what his will is. Then there's one answer. Maybe we should do this, this principle. The world, as we said it, it conforms to the way that you may have heard of the slogan, Namaz a day helps you work, rest and play. I'm not sure why it does that, but again, they tell us that a Mars bar a day will help me work, rest and play. Have a break, have a Kit Kat. They don't say that when we're stood on the scales at Christmas. Have a break, have a Kit Kat. Look at this. Where did that come from? It's all about feeding ourselves. We read earlier, Matthew 6 verse 16 says, when... You fast when you fast. Not if you, but when you fast. Come on, stick this on your fridge. When you fast, Jesus was saying it because he meant that this is something you should be doing as part of your Christian walk. 
Matthew 6 verse 2, he says, when you give to the needy. Same principle. We've been having people and it's great to see people wanting to help and do things for the needy in the church. And we set up the new ministry fit for a king. And it's fantastic to see this. When you give to the needy, when you do these things, also when you fast. Verse 5, when you pray. Oh, we all know how to pray. We all know how to pray. We're all good at texting each other. And email. we need to pray for this. That's all good. But do we say we need to fast? These are so important. And you might say, well, is it really important for me to do this? Is it really something I should be exercising? A lot of us think that fasting's for super Christians. Let's, let's just be truthful. We say, I'm going to leave it to the ones who are really on fire. I'm going to let them fast because they're the ones who, who need to be doing it, not me. I'm not in this category. But that, again, is a lie. You see, I believe this, that when we fast and we pray, the enemy is shaken. The enemy is shaken. Everything we're doing at the moment, every time we declare about praying for the sick, going out on the streets, the enemy is shaken. When Jesus said, then he said, the disciples came back and said, we can't, the, the demons won't come out. He said, because of fasting, if you fast, these will only come out by fasting. There was a deeper level of getting closer to God. It's not for super Christians. It's for operating in our lives today as our Christian lives. It should be just as important as praying and giving to the poor for us to fast. So what should a fast look like for us today? What would it look like for you? You say, is it, I don't understand. What does this mean for me? I've never done this before. What are the ingredients? What are the components that the fast should combine? Number one, a spiritual act. It should be something that is spiritual. When we fast, it should be something that is a spiritual act towards God. I knew someone years ago, born again Christian, on fire for God, and I heard them say this. I literally heard them say this. I'm going on a fast next week because <clears throat> I want to lose some weight. I think they tried the Atkins diet, the, all these different books, and it seemed good to them to choose the Christian fast to lose weight. And, you know, we all say things, don't we? we all, we're all just as bad as each other. But she said this, and I thought, wow, that's not the reason to fast, is it? It has to be something spiritual. Not to lose a few pounds. Not to hope that we're going to lose a few pounds. In fact, actually, sometimes it's quite the opposite with fasting. Your body will, when you start to lack, give, give it lack of food, it will start to hold on to everything and turn it into fat. In fact, it'll probably do quite the opposite. So maybe it's not a good idea. But some of us sometimes may not be treating it as a spiritual act. In fact, we can be quite religious about it. That's what Jesus said about some of the people in the scripture. He says they disfigure their faces. They make themselves look like they're fasting. Putting some white powder on the faces, looking a bit pale. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you're on the fast, you're going to work and you're trying to make yourself look ill. 
What's wrong with you? Oh, no, nothing. Don't ask. Are you hungry? No, don't ask. And it becomes something that we're just trying to impress people or being religious about it. But the purpose of the fast should be this. It should be simply for us to draw closer to God. It should be for us to draw closer to God. A complete surrender of ourselves. I've, I've, when I've done fasts in the past, and I remember when I first ever started doing them, I remember those, that first day of when all the, into, the, the what would you call it, the intoxins, the things that are in the chocolate, the Kit Kats and what have you, all the things I'm used to, the coffee, we start to feel bad straight away in the first 24 hours and we think, boy, oh boy, I'm not doing this again. And one of the main reasons is it's not because the fast is a bad idea. It's because we're so addicted to that much junk in our bodies that our bodies are crying out saying, you're not me without the snicker. You're not me without the Kit Kat. And sometimes I've found this. It's, I'm not saying how long you should do fast, but when you get past that and your body's done the detox, it's almost like, boy, oh boy, this is amazing. And you do feel closer to God. I can personally vouch for that because there's a surrender of almost I'm doing this not to get a sponsorship form to raise some money for the local charity shop I'm not doing it for that the reason I'm lacking the reason I'm feeling like this is because I want to be close to you Jesus it's not because I'm trying to show everyone at work look at me I've got a sponsorship anyone want to sponsor me no it's because we want to get closer to God. We can draw close to God in prayer, yes. Jesus says go into the secret place and pursue Him in prayer. But it's also important for us to come closer, even closer. James 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and He will come near to you. I love that. We have to take the first step. We have to take the first step in fact, I don't think God comes any close. He's been close enough. He came from heaven down to this earth for you. The darling of heaven left the most glorious place, stepped out of heaven into a sinful world and come close to us and give himself as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins. Don't you think he's done enough? He's taken enough steps. He walked right out of heaven for us. Some of us are saying sometimes in our lives, I'm waiting for you, Lord, to come and rescue me and help me. Come close to me, Lord. Help me out in my circumstance. The Lord's just saying, I've done enough for you. Come close to me. Be a living sacrifice. He's asking us today, take them steps, them first steps. You come close, you'll feel me. I'll be closer to you. On 20th of July, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon. He stepped right onto the moon. I think that's amazing that he, somebody had walked on the moon for the first time. Let me tell you, every night when we look out and we see the moon, if it's a clear night, for many years from the day that you're born to the day that you die, you will see the stars, you'll see the moon. And Neil Armstrong took it a little step further, didn't he? He didn't just observe and look at the moon at a distance, at its glory and how beautiful that space was. He stepped into 
a spacecraft and went on a journey so that he could put his feet right on the moon's surface and feel what it felt like. One small step for mankind, whatever it was, one giant leap for mankind. One small step for man. Neil didn't just look at the moon, but he went through this training to be able to go up in a spacecraft so that he could walk on it. And I want to encourage you today, look at it like this. The moon, it may be moving in distance away, but he's pretty fixed where it is. And God is fixed where he is and he's asking us to step forward, to not just observe, but to feel the closeness of stepping onto the moon like he did. Stepping close towards him. I don't want to just observe God and go through my life saying, yeah, I know where he is. He's there shining the light on my life. But I want, to, I want to get closer, Lord, to you. And when we fast, when we do these things, it's hard. It's difficult. That's why it's a challenge. That's why it's a, a, something that we go through. I don't know if you know this, but astronauts, when I looked up, it says this, that when they go up on short-term problems, they have blood circulation problems, space sickness, less effective immune system, backaches, fatigue, poor balance, and psychological effects. I don't know about you, but if I read that before I went, I'm not sure I'd want to go. I think I'd sit back in the house and say, I'll watch it on the TV. But it's the same for us. If I tell you we're going to go fast and we're going to try this out, you'd say, well, that's going to have symptoms that is not going to be nice. I might feel a little tired. I might maybe have a, a lack of the immune system. But what did he see? He walked on the moon. and God wants you to step closer. And pursue him. I'm turning your Bibles to Matthew 9, verse 14. Matthew 9, verse 14. It says this, The disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, this is John the Baptist, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. You see, right in this bit of scripture, you've got the people, the religious ones saying to Jesus, why are your disciples at the moment not fasting? Why are they not doing this religious act that we've seen throughout the Old Testament? It's key. Jesus went on to say that you can't put an old patch on a new garment. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. Because what he was saying is this. That now's not the time for you to fast because I am with you. You probably can't see that. The religious ones couldn't see that they had the savior of the world right in front of them. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see that sat right in front of them. They were asking the question, why aren't your guys fasting? Why aren't they doing these religious acts? Jesus says, don't, it was almost like he was saying, don't you realize I'm with you? But when I'm gone, when I'm not here physically, you're going to want to fast. That's when you're going to want to fast. When he's taken away. He said, you don't need to fast while I'm here in physical form. I'm with you. But when I'm gone, when I'm taken away, when I've been crucified... When I'm gone from you and you can't physically see me, you're going to want to fast. Because then you're going to be 
you're going to be pursuing me by the spirit. Not naturally. You will pursue me by your spirit. Jesus was clearly saying to them, when you live in this era, when you live in the era of me not being here, that's when you're going to fast. And let me tell you, that's the era we're in. We're in the era where Jesus is alive. He is here, but by his spirit. If we want to connect with him, and because he's not here physically, how many of you know today people say, come to church, God's here. He's not physically here. Jesus is not physically in the building as a person like us. But by his spirit, we can get in touch with him. You see, some people today, I believe, when they treat fasting, they look at it spiritually. They, they think that it's going to make their prayers louder than without. It will make them bolder. It will make them stronger towards God. He will recognize your prayers more than he did before. That's not true. The purpose of fasting is not to jump ahead of the queue of someone else in your prayers because you fasted for a week or you fasted for a day. It's not so that you can jump ahead. Like, I mean, how many times I went to A&E the other week and I was sat in A&E. Don't worry, I'm fine. But I was sat in A&E. And whilst I was sat there, because of the symptoms that I had were quite worrying. I think it was just indigestion. But they were quite worrying symptoms. The symptoms that I gave to them pushed me right to the front of the queue. Boy, I've never been in and out of A&E so quickly. It was great. I encourage you. Don't lie, but you know. It was brilliant. I walked in, but there's these people sat around me with bandages on their head, blood. I'm looking at all these ill people who've got problems and all sat around in A&E. Have you ever been to A&E? I know some people here go and pray with some of the people in A&E. But it is terrible. There's people all around. And I'm sat there thinking, I'm looking at my phone, checking my emails, thinking, yeah, I've got this problem. And straight away they called me through and I jumped ahead of everyone else. Then I came back in and I had some tests. Then I went back in again and they kept calling my name. They called my name about three or four times. And everyone just kept looking at me. It's like, how did you do that? Because I jumped ahead of the queue because of my symptoms. But some of us think that our prayers will jump ahead of the queue of everyone else because we are so super spiritual by our fasting. But it's not true. It's not true. When we're spiritual, it's about us getting closer to God. Your prayers will become far more. Your communication with God will be far better when you're fasting. When you give everything to a person in a personal relationship, how many of you know if you give everything to that person, you communicate better with them? That's what it's about, our communication with God. It doesn't help God to answer our prayers. Some of us think, if I do this, if I fast next week, it's going to help God. God doesn't need you to fast so that you can help Him. He's quite capable of answering our prayers. Amen? He doesn't need us to fast to do it. Matthew 6 that we read earlier says this. I love it. In the message version, he says, an appetite, this is how it describes it, an appetite denying discipline. An appetite denying discipline helps you better concentrate on God. That's how it describes what the fast is. It helps you better concentrate on God. In Acts 13.2, we mentioned it earlier. 
It says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I love this. Because it says this, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Some of us, you may not even need to come on the prophetic conference. Here it is right there. If you just do these things, worship God and fast, he says they heard the Holy Spirit telling them what to do because they were getting closer to here, getting closer to God. Number two, it has to be sacrificial. It has to be sacrificial in our lives. We read early in Matthew 6, 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. It's very clear that Jesus was saying that you need to do these things. You need to cover up because you're going to look disfigured. If you do a real fast, you're going to look disfigured. So many of us today are so used to thinking, I'm going to fast Facebook. I keep seeing people putting on Facebook, I'm going to fast Facebook. It's just too much in my life. I'm going to get back to reality. This is the life we live today. I'm going to fast Facebook. I'm going to fast Coronation Street. It's true. You've heard them all, haven't you? I'm going to fast Snickers. Kit Kats. I'm just going to stick to curries. Mexican food, but Snickers are out. And I'm just going to draw close to God. But I don't know about you, but I don't think if someone was fasting Facebook or Coronation Street or Snickers that they would really, really have to hide themselves for how they look. When we operate with true sacrifice, it will have a natural negative effect on our lives and our bodies. But it will be followed by a powerful, positive spiritual effect. Let me say that again. I put these words down. I believe it will have a natural negative effect on how we look. But it will be followed by a powerful, positive spiritual effect in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 16, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure the faces. They're making themselves look disfigured. But they've received the reward by doing that. There's some of us who, some people who go out of their way to sacrifice They go out of their way to make this a true sacrifice. Some people do it to boost their pride. I don't want it to boost my pride. Because God knows my heart. He'll know your heart. He knows our motives for why we're doing things. You can come here telling us we fast, I've done this, I've done that. God knows our hearts. That's what's the most important thing. He knows in our hearts whether it's a true sacrifice. Finally, number three, it should be done in secret. It should be done in secret. Matthew 16, verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus was saying, when you fast, do it in secret. He tells us this with praying as well. He says, go into a quiet room. Go into the closet. And here it says again that we should do it in secret. The problem is 
that most of us, just like the people who hold up the forms, and I'm not putting these people down, but I've seen it all my life. People coming in with the forms saying, sponsor me for this, and that's good. But sometimes I question whether some people who do this, they seem to be more interested in telling me what they're doing for themselves. He wants it to be done in secret. He wants things to be done in secret so that we, it's an acknowledgement that we're saying, God, I'm doing this between me and you. It's all about you, not about anyone else. And he will reward you. I don't know what that reward is, but God will reward you. He's not going to put your prayers in extra bold or put a loud hailer to make sure you get them. But he says he will reward you. He'll reward you in some way. But I guarantee you, your prayer life will be changed if you do these principles. Many years ago, I was at work and somebody asked me to give blood. And I went to do this with our team, the whole team. It was like, I'd never done it before because I just never liked the idea of doing giving blood. It's just for me, it felt a little bit strange, but I'm, you know, I'm okay with it. And the team kept saying, they kept putting a calendar invite saying, is anyone going to come and give blood? And I kept turning down the calendar invite until one day I accepted it. And I remember this team of people when we went, they were so happy when they came out getting the I give blood sticker. I was so worried about going there, never mind the sticker. But they were so happy when they had this sticker that said, I give blood today. And it was like their purpose in some way, I'm not criticizing them, but it seemed to be for the rest of the day in the office that every meeting went to, oh, you gave blood today. Well done, that's really good. And I questioned whether they were more interested in the sticker they got than what they'd done. See, I don't know about you, the only time I see people getting excited about stickers is the kids when they go to the dentist. But it's funny how we get excited about the stickers when we give blood because we know what it will do. I don't want it to boost my pride. I don't want to wear the sticker that says I'm fasting for a week. In fact, I'm doing 40 days like Jesus did. I've never done that, by the way. But some of us can be like that. It needs to be done in secret. Sometimes I think today the problem is that because it's a secret and because Jesus instructs us that we need to do it in secret, the reason why many of us are not fasting is because we've got no role models because everyone's keeping it a secret or not doing it. So I believe it's also good for us, even though we should have the principle of keeping it secret, to also encourage others and to share with each other as well. Do you understand what I mean by that? You can keep it secret. You can have a motive in your heart. It's actually about your motive. What's your true motive? God can see your motive. He can see if you have that secret motive that you really don't want to tell anyone. I remember when I was fasting at work a few years ago now, the problem for me was this. Every time I fasted at work, I had a free meal every day. The company laid on a three-course meal. And I've been there 14 years For the 14 years I've been there, the team that I worked with, every single day at the same time, will go downstairs into a cafe area to have a three-course meal for free. The problem for me was every time I ever operated or did a fast, I thought, what on earth am I going to tell them? Because I'm supposed to be keeping this a secret. 
So I would get, you could either opt for sandwiches or you could go and have the meal with the team. So when it got to lunchtime, I was sweating at my desk, thinking, what am I going to say to him? Do I lie? Do I? No, I'm not supposed to lie. What do I do? How am I going to get out of this one? I've got to think of a story. How do I think of a story so that I don't tell them? And I remember sat at my desk, worried about telling anyone about it. And so what I used to do is this. They said, well, if you're not coming down for the meal, are you having sandwiches? What are you doing? And they'll put me on the spot. I'm going for a walk. Where are you walking? I just feel I need to go for a walk. You've never walked before? Well, I know. I just really feel I want to do this. Well, do you want us to grab your sandwiches while we're down there if you've ordered them? Yeah, you can do. And then they put the sandwiches on the desk. I'd go for the walk while they went for the meal. I'd come back. And then some people sometimes for the whole of the afternoon will be looking at me sat at my desk. Aren't you going to eat your sandwiches? What's wrong? And I, be, I don't really feel like them at the moment. Feel like them? I could have eaten the paper bag. And I went so much out of my way to hide it. But then one day I just thought, do you know what? I'm just going to tell them. I'm going to tell them because this is ridiculous. I'm, getting, I'm doing so many walks. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to make all these different places if I'm walking to and I don't know where I'm going anymore. And they keep asking me the same question. Why are you not eating your sandwiches? And I keep saying I don't feel like them. When actually I did. So one day I decided. It got to it and boy oh boy I was sweating. They came, the whole group stood around my desk as I was finishing off and pretending that I'm do, I've got something to do. Checking a few emails. I'll be down in a second. And they were stood around my desk. I'll never forget it. And they said, are you coming downstairs? And I just said, no. Why? What? You going for another walk? I said, no, actually, I'm actually in the middle of a fast. And their face just dropped as though, what? Where's your sponsorship form? I said, I ain't got no sponsorship form, but I'm doing it because it's part of my walk. And I explained it to them. In fact, actually, it was a good thing for them to see. And I, I never, understand me, I never wanted them to know. But in the end, I told them. And then now in the future, when I used to work there, if ever I did it again, I'd just say to them, they say, you come down, I'll just go, I'm, I'm fasting at the moment. I didn't tell them any more details. No, I'm fasting. And I never felt bad about telling them because I never did it with the wrong motive. So we have to keep it a secret. But sometimes we might have to tell people and also encourage others in the congregation as well. We need to encourage each other. So I'm just going to summarize that. We need to keep it spiritual sacrificial and secret. Don't let fasting become the last resort for your prayers. It's almost like some of us are like, I've done the prayer, I've been praying for years, right? I'm going to step into fasting mode now. This is going to really jump me to the head of the queue. This is desperation mode. I'm on the last resort, Lord. I'm going to push the big button. I'm going to say to you, I need you to answer now. This is serious, God. Don't you understand? I need you. Hello? No. It shouldn't be the last resort. It should be part of our walk, our normal walk with God. And Jesus says it will bring a reward for those who do it in secret. Isn't that great? I'm just going to go through because what I want to encourage today is I'm not going to do any altar calls. This didn't need an altar call. And I know that everyone's absolutely starving by now. And that's why there's a feast on downstairs. But I'm just going to, a couple of points just to say of practically 
how does it work for you? One of the things I want us to do is in the next two weeks leading up to the prophetic conference, this has nothing to do with the prophetic conference, but I just thought we're in a good season at the moment. God is doing some great things. Sometimes I just it's good to take markers out, say a time of let's say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this together. So I want to encourage you. You might say today, this is not for me. I'm not really sure. And I want to encourage you that we can do this over the next couple of weeks maybe. Maybe as we lead up to that conference, we can have a special time in our next two weeks of even of worship and prayer. I want us to come together. And I'm not asking anyone to do two weeks. Listen to me. I'm not asking anyone to do a specific time. I'm just saying that we can designate this period of time for whatever you want to do. It's entirely up to you. You cannot join in. You cannot do it. You're going to do it in secret, so no one's going to know anyway. However, I would encourage us that to sometimes, the last time we've done this as a corporate fast is sometimes, remember it's about motive, is find someone, a buddy, someone you can work with in the church, maybe someone you could text and say, "I'm, I'm struggling with this, and you can encourage each other. You're doing it for the right reasons. When we did it as a corporate fast years ago in our church, we did a Facebook page, and I can set that up if people would like that, where people can just share a private page of, I'm struggling today, I've seen the Snickers advert, and I need a Snicker. And we can say, no, keep going, you, you can do it, you can do this together, we can do it together, and encourage each other. And also, sometimes it's good to encourage each other when they've come off the fast and say, I've finished now, I can't do this, and say, well, well done. You've done really well, it's good to do what you're doing encouraging each other. How long should we fast? There's no set time for us to do this. Choose a good time. Don't choose a time when you're going to go to a wedding or something you need to eat a lot. Next week, I've got to attend a wedding. It's like, how do I work this around it? Sometimes it's good to work around things. And I'd also say today, if there's anyone here, which some of us maybe, you say, am I exempt from this? I mean, if you're pregnant, I don't think it's a good idea for you to be fasting. You need to seek medical advice. I am not a doctor. I spend a lot of time in A&E, but I am not a GP. That rhymes. It's good. But you need to seek medical advice. You need to seek advice and say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. If maybe you're ill today, maybe you've got sickness in your body. I don't know where you're at, but some of us may be exempting them in them conditions. And you need to seek medical approval of how you might be able to do it the best way. Some of you might be saying, well, what type of fast am I going to do? It's good for us sometimes to probably start by doing a fast where we still drink fluids, not just stick to water. So maybe you can still drink your Coke, you can still drink your coffee. And you might say, well, that's totally wrong because that's not how Jesus did it. No. I think it's good sometimes if you've never done it before, maybe to do an all drinks fast where you can f- you can drink all your drinks. You say, no, you, that's not right. It's not how it was done. No, I think it's a good start for you. If you've never done it, the most important thing is you take the steps to introduce this into your Christian walk. Amen? I know I'm being very practical here, but we have to be practical about these things. We have to help each other to do it. Remember Jesus, when he fasted for the 40 days in the desert, he says when he finished, he was hungry. He was was hungry. He didn't say he was thirsty. So it's important to do it in these different ways. And also when you're preparing yourself for the fast, 
prepare yourself to go into it and out of it. I don't know about if anyone saw the Tour de France the other week. When I watched the Tour de France, as soon as the race finished in London, they just rode, whatever it was, 70 miles from here, 60, 70 miles. And then one of the guys gets straight off his bike onto a bike that's fixed position and starts pedaling really slowly. It was just as important that he warmed himself down than doing the race. And it's important for us to ease ourselves in and ease ourselves out. If you're thinking about the fast over the next two weeks, maybe next week you might want to just start reducing your intake of food slightly. Rather than just saying all of a sudden, that's it, I'm stopping. Maybe you're used to it, I don't know. But these are good practical tips. But I want to encourage you. I believe that it's important, and hopefully I've explained that today, that fasting is something that can bring as close to God. It doesn't make our prayers extra special. But it brings us closer to God. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church. Or to access our large archive of other recordings. Go to www.kingscambridge.org if you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.